Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Praise the Lord. We're, um, you guys know where we are, and we're doing the Sermon on the Mount. I should have just told should have, see if y'all still remember. <laughs> We've been doing it for a while. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 5. We're going to start at 38, and we're going to go through verse 48. So we're going to do those 10 verses. And um, radical love, that's what we're talking about, radical love. Radical love. How many of you are ready to love radically? <laughs> uh, Matthew five thirty-eight through 48. All right, and it reads, uh, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn them the other cheek also. That's tough right there, y'all. We can stop right there. <laughs> Let's perfect that. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will will it get you or will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do even do even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Eye for an eye. That's what the word says, right? It says, uh, have you heard it say that there was an eye for an eye? This was given not as a vindictive or retaliatory rule, uh, but in my studies I found out that it was to prevent excessive punishment. So in that time, people were being retaliatory, and maybe you had an accident and you ran over someone's chicken an example <laughs> with your buggy or horse and buggy or whatever not car vehicle whatever the case may be um, and you said hey eye for an eye but some people would be excessive with that and say well you harm my chicken I won't father your chickens or the punishment would be greater than what the initial thing was and so God gave this rule to prevent excessive punishment but the Israelites Israel used this as a vindictive nature to say, hey, you bumped me, so I got to bump you. Or at any slight that was done towards them, they saw that as, oh, now let me retaliate against you because you wronged me. And they would use this eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, as an example. And that wasn't what it was meant for. Deuteronomy 19, 16, 21, it says, if a malicious witness takes to the stand to accuse someone of a crime, the two people involved in the dispute must stand in the presence of the Lord before the priests and the judges who are in office at that time. The judges must make a thorough investigation, and if the witness is proved to be a liar, given false testimony against a fellow Israelite, then do the false witness as the witness intended to do to the other party. 
so this eye for an eye, you must purge the evil from among you. The rest of the people will hear of this and be afraid and never again will such an evil thing be done among you. Show no pity. Life for life, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Went a little bit further <laughs> in the body analogies. <laughs> Exodus 21, 22 uh, through 24 reads, if people are fighting and hit a pregnant, and I, sometimes when I look back at these things, I'm so grateful for what Jesus did on the cross, cross because there are all these rules <laughs> and all these laws. And I was like, man, how did they even remember some of this stuff? Uh, and people may say that even now there's so many laws and rules. Uh, but I'm just grateful for what Christ did and that we don't have to be burdened with following uh, these rules and laws. But we will get to what we have to what we need to do, which is a greater cause. People are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and get and she gives birth prematurely. It had to cover everything, right? right? Who, who, was, who was thinking of this? Uh, but there is no serious injury. The fender must be fined, whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. So, again, this was getting towards not, not being excessive in your punishment towards uh, the person who offended the other individual. Uh, but if there's serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, Burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Again, the Israelites took this literal. They took this on every, uh, they took it to every, to mean every petty thing that happened, there had to be a retaliation towards that person against what they did. And this is what, this wasn't what this was meant for. Uh, Leviticus 24, 17, 22 says, if anyone who takes the life of a human being is put to death, uh, is to be put to death. Anyone who takes the life of someone's animal uh, must make restitution, life for life. Now, that doesn't mean that because I kill your animal, now you take my life. <laughs> no. <laughs> that means you, know, you may take the life or take uh, to restitute, for restitution, you may take that animal uh, as your own. Anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Again, this was to prevent excessive punishments. So judges at, during that time obviously were uh, punishing people a lot more than what they initially did or their uh, what their offense was. And I could see God saying, okay, let's, pre- let's prevent this by saying, hey, you shouldn't do the punishment more than what the offense was. So eye for an eye, not eye for eye, tooth, foot, hand, <laughs> but eye for eye <laughs> or tooth for tooth and not tooth, foot, hand, shoe, and everything else that the person owns. And we can look at this even now. So you think about this biblical, uh, this this uh, biblical application of what God was wanting to do as far as preventing excessive punishment. But look at what our system has ha- what has happened in our legal system now. Um, there are excessive punishments that do not meet necessarily what the infraction was, and then there are even in a civil court where people are litigating and suing people for millions of dollars for simple things. So we think about the coffee that spilled on the person at McDonald's, and they sued for millions of dollars. That was a simple infraction. That was a mistake. One, I expect my coffee to be hot, and I want it to be hot. So the expectation that it was going to be hot, and they spilled it on themselves, like, come on, that, did you want your coffee to be cold? <laughs> I would be upset about that. 
but then to sue for millions of dollars and then for that to be allowed that the court system says, yeah, we're going to penalize McDonald's millions of dollars because they serve hot coffee and the individual spilled it on them. Now we see how ridiculous that is. Right. And so God was trying to prevent us, the children of God, but also society to say, hey, look, let's not be ridiculous and punitive and what we send out as uh, offenses, trying to prevent people from doing same things that are wrong. Um, and we do this in the name of, well, we want to be good, want to be good and tough against crime and, you know, mix, give it to McDonald's. They got millions of dollars. It doesn't matter. It does matter um, because it continues to happen and happen again in so many different areas. Um, but, yeah, eye for an eye, two for a tooth. The punishment must, should fit the crime. And this is what this was talking about. Um, I'm going to read McLaurin's exposition because I like the way he worded this. He said, the old law directed judges to inflict penalties precisely equivalent to the offenses, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But that direction was not for the guidance of individuals. That, for, that was direction for the court. Uh, it was suited for the stage of civilization in which it was given but not for individuals, probably was then the restriction rather than the sanction of the wild law of retaliation. So it was to restrict retaliation and not sanction petty, you know, let me get retaliated against you because of little things you did. And Jesus presents here is to sweep away entirely and goes much further than just kind of saying, hey, um, don't look about these things. But he said, hey, do away with, let's sweep away these petty things that we have against one another all together. And he and then goes about and expounds on this in four different ways. Uh, well, before we get into this, so, let's, so it talks about he was trying to prevent personal revenge. And it talks about in Deuteronomy that vengeance is mine. Uh, the Lord will vindicate the people who relent concerning his servants. Romans 12 and 9 through 19, which I won't read. Uh, but it talks about uh, 19 says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath for it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay. So God will revenge his people. It is not your job to go out and say, I'm going to get this joker who wronged me. God is going to do that. But he, he talks about this. He set this up in four different examples to show a radical love. Th- that we have an opportunity to show radical love. So he talks about uh, in verse 39. Personal insults. So it says, turn the other cheek. Um, and so this example can be literally if someone slaps you. <laughs> right? <laughs> Somebody said, mm, yeah. <laughs> Stuff. But the point is that if someone slaps you, is not to allow them to, uh, you know, to just go on wild out and attack you. You do have the right to uh, defend yourself. But if, you know, if they slap you, then, hey, you're going to, if they offend you slightly, and this is what this is getting to you, get into personal insults, petty offenses, you know, or maybe they bump you by mistake, you know. We have this respectability thing now that you can't look, look at me wrong, you can't touch me, you can't crowd my space, you know, whatever it is. You know. But if there's a personal offense, that we should sweep this under the rug, that we should be willing to turn the other cheek. And even if that offense was done uh, to offend me, you know, to that person slapped you on purpose, that person went out to insult you, then we should be willing to turn the other cheek. 
turn the other cheek. Uh, where we are smitten by the cheek rather than contend to fight, uh, whether we're ready to go out and fight and take offense to everything someone says, we are to turn the other cheek. This does not mean, however, we prevent from demonstrating firmly or mildly that that was unjust or that thing they did was wrong. Um, but we are to be, as Jesus Christ says, and, uh, and did. So let's look at John 18. So John, Jesus actually got slapped, and he didn't do anything about it. He told him he didn't. They didn't like. It. He didn't like it. But <laughs> so John eighteen nineteen through twenty three says. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. He says, "I have spoken openly to you, the world." Jesus replied, "I've always taught in synagogues and at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me?" Asked those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby. Slapped him in the face. It said it. That's right there. Verse 22. Slapped Jesus in the face. Yeah. (laughs) Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded that official said. So Jesus did not slap the guy back. He could have. Could have said, rebuke you. Get thee behind me. I smite you. You will surely die at this moment. He could have said any number of things. Um. But he says, if I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify to what was wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Ananias said and bound him to Cephas, the high priest. Jesus could have done a whole lot, right? If anybody could have done something. <laughs> but he knew his purpose and he knew what he was called to do. And it wasn't to get into fights with individuals uh, <laughs> and, to, and to ruin his name. Uh, but it was to turn the other cheek. Now, he did protest. So it said it did not say that you could not protest or say, hey, what you did was wrong. Am I wrong in what I said? No, but you should not have smiked me. But I'm going to not be offended by every petty thing that comes my way. I'm going to turn the other cheek. So the second thing he talks about is lawsuits. He says uh, in verse 40, says, and if anyone who wants to sue you, take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. So let's, let's talk about something first. So there's a coat or a tunic, which is the inner garment made of linen that the Israelites used to wear. So it was normally white. It was made of linen, and it covered the whole body. It normally was long sleeve, and it was long. And it normally went down to uh, the ankles, sometimes mid- midway, the calf. Uh, that was considered the coat or tunic. And then there was a cloak or outer garment, which is called a mantle, it was worn on the outside, and that was sometimes heavier. And normally, people took that mantle or coat off, uh, or cloak. I'm sorry, took the mantle or cloak off when they were doing work because it was a heavier garment. But they had an outer garment. So, what what he was saying here was, hey, if they ask for your coat, don't just give them the coat. <laughs> give them the cloak or outer garment as well. Uh, and this is going. This is talking about uh, litigation or lawsuits. He says. And, and, and again, this would be personal property, simple matters. These are not, you know, million dollar, I own a million dollar estate and someone's trying to get my, my house. No, fight for that, please. Uh, <laughs> but it's saying, hey, you know, someone stole your coat or, or comes up to you and say, uh, this is mine. Hey, it's, it's mine, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to live at peace with you about this. I'm not going to quarrel with you and send you to court over this simple thing. I, I got many cloaks and coats in my closet that I don't have to worry about this. 
Uh, our Savior directs us rather than to uh, imitate him than to contend in revengeful spirit and courts of justice over trifling injury. He says to yield to them. This is merely a question of personal property. This is not about me fighting everything in the court system so then that there's more animosity and there's more anger and then more things are drug up in court and it's like no this is a simple matter hey if you want the if this is your coat and you're willing to go to court for it hey you can have the coat and you can have the cloak as well these are simple personal property matters i'm not going to get into litigation over i'm going to turn the other cheek i'm going to give you the coat and the cloak <laughs> the tunic and the mantle so the third thing he looks at is forced actions talking about go the other mile so during this time, there were people set up uh, throughout the city who was, you know, they didn't have Internet. <laughs> Surprise, right? Uh, and they didn't have a post office where you can send a letter and a mail and, you know, it would go out to every individual who you wanted to communicate with. So they had people set up in strategic areas throughout the country. And if the king said something or made a decree, then they would tell those people, and those people were supposed to go and take that to the different towns and cities throughout. Uh, and these sometimes they were these people were stationed and they were horsemen, and sometimes they would require people to, to require to the use of other people's uh, transportation means. So if they needed to go to this town and they came to this town and said, "Hey, I need to borrow your horse, or I need for you to take me to around this town so I can give out this law or decree that the king said." So it's, so going that extra mile. So they were propel or forced action by the government to do something. And so here, this is good. It says, don't just say, and people didn't want to most of the time, because maybe they were busy about doing their own things in their own lives. They didn't have time to mess with this guy and say, now i got to drive you around <laughs> the city to give out whatever the king wanted to say or do or whatever. I have my own business to take care of. But okay, I'll do that. Christ wanted Christians or his children to say, hey, I'm not just going to willingly say, hey, I'll go with you this one mile to take you around. I'll, I'll, I'll serve you all day, man. Hey, what do you, where do you need to go? What do you need to communicate? What is, what is the king requiring? What is the government requiring us to do or say to the people that needs to get out there? This is a forced action because even the publicans, the tax collectors, tax collectors we'll get to that a little later, even the worldly people are required to do this duty. They may, be, they may do it begrudgingly. And they may go the extra mile. And the expectation is, here, I want you to show radical love. I want you not just to do what everyone else is doing. Because everyone else is doing that. <laughs> right? It's easy to do what everyone else is doing. But rather, I want you to go above and beyond what everyone else is doing. That's tough, y'all. It ain't easy. <laughs> it's easy. It is easy with Christ. It is easy with Christ. Rather, says he, than resist the public authority requiring the attendance of a or aid for certain distance. Go peaceably twice the distance. Just don't do what is expected. Go above and beyond double what is expected. So we look at uh, 
Eye for an eye as excessive punishment. So personal insults we looked at, turning the other cheek. Lawsuits, forced actions by the government. And then final thing here is the request to give what, what one asks. So it says give to the one who asks. Now, later on we'll talk about this in a little bit of different context, but right now it's going to seem like this, is, this, this can't be what this means because everyone is asking for something and do you want or expectation is for me to give whenever someone asks. And in some of my reading, they said God doesn't even do that for us. He doesn't give us everything we ask for. <laughs> he may give us an answer, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that we get what we ask for. Um, and so does now he, he, does he want us to do that for everyone who asks? No. But he does not want us to withhold the good that we have from those who are in need. And he does not want us to withhold that because of anger or bitterness or strife or dislike or they don't look like me or they believe different from me, so I'm not going to give them. That's not what God wants. That's not radical love. That may be radical hate, (laughs) radical disdain or dislike, but that's not radical love. But he wants us to show radical love, even in this. So the radicalness is that I have and I see a need. And so I can meet that person's need and give to that. Whether whether they deserve it or whether they are in my circle or whether it's whatever the case may be, he doesn't get into all that. Luke six thirty eight says, Give and it shall and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So whatever you're measuring out to give to someone, God is going to, going to use that for you. And so if you're using a little teacup or a teapot or a teaspoon to give out help, God is going to give that right back to you. That's what you use, and that's what you're going to get. But if you're using a big trough or a big bucket to give out, uh, and this is what this is in your excess. Don't give out of what you need. Never give out of what you need. Uh, if you have, if you need your own money to pay your bills, pay your bills, please. Um, <laughs> uh, but don't give to someone else a loan money that you don't have to loan. But if you have it to loan it, and you feel like, hey, this is an opportunity for me to show radical love, um, then I'm going to give it. All right, we're going to go back to that a little bit later. We're going to look at that a little, a little differently. All right, so then we look at Matthew uh, 43 and 48 looks about hating your enemy. Talks about hating your enemy. Uh, this term was limited to neighbor. Uh, well, the Pharisees saw that hate your enemy was just uh, hating people that didn't look like you. The limited term of neighbor was people that looked like me, my fellow Israelites. Those were my neighbors. So I can like them, but everyone else, it was okay for us to hate. Aren't there people like that? Some, some people like that. Your circle, you love your circle, but anyone outside of that, you really don't, you don't rock with, you don't do, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't do, you don't deal with them on that level. Uh, but this is radical love, right? We're here to show radical love. Uh, Luke 10, 30 through 37, um, says, in, rep- in reply, Jesus says, a man was going down to Jerusalem. So we've heard this story before, uh, to, from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers and stripped him 
uh, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. And the priest happened to go by the road and saw the man, and he passed on the other side. We've seen that happen. So to the Levite, we might have been that priest. I'm not dealing with that, and I moved on to the side. Uh, So to the Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by the other side, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, then put him on his donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day took out two denarii and gave to the innkeeper, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Is that not going above and beyond? You know, that is, that's going not just a mile, but going the extra mile. Because it would have been fine to say, hey, let me just help this brother out. Let me bandage up his wounds. Give him a little alcohol and a swab. i see you later. I'm out. That would have been okay. And we probably would have been proud of ourselves and felt like we got a feather in our hat or at least a, uh, a better seat in heaven. <laughs> But even evil people can do that, you know. Even the unsaved can do that. But we are we're called to do more. Uh, and so they use hatred for personal animosity. So they say, hey, because I don't like this person, we're going to treat them worse. I'm going to go after them. The Israelites, the Pharisees did. Uh, and they had a skewed view of the word. But even uh, Deut- in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, it talks about uh, Loving your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Deuteronomy 7 says, when the Lord your God has delivered them out. Of, well, they took, they used these verses or some other things because God hated. When God said that he would hate certain uh, particular people, they took that as, oh, that's personal animosity that we can use to hate those people as well. But God was, didn't, God didn't like them because of sin. He didn't like the sin that they, they were in and not necessarily the individuals. But those individuals are individuals that could be saved. Uh, but they took that to mean, hey, we can have personal animosity and we can hate people as well. And hating people and not and disliking sin is two different people, two different things. Uh, and so even in the Old Testament, it talks about loving our neighbor. So Leviticus 19:17 says, do not hate your fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor, frankly, so that you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So that's Leviticus 1917 17 through 18. So God is, uh, Jesus is expounding on that a little more and say, hey, not even just love your neighbor, but love your enemy. <laughs> he clearly says, the people who persecute you, who dislike you, love them. There's not, doesn't even the tax collector love his friends? That's not going, that's not radical love to say, well, I'll just love my friends. Everyone does that. Who doesn't love the people who are friendly to them? That's easy. That's, that's, that's not hard. That's not, that's not challenging. That's not moving me. That's not presenting Christ in the light that will draw anyone. I can be drawn to a football game because they love the people who are on their team, right? They love their fans. If you're, um, I don't have an investment in any NFL team. Let me get that out there first and foremost. <laughs> Uh, I am from North Carolina, so I would say that I am by far a Panthers fan, but I don't even know who's on their team right now, so I cannot even say that in all accuracy. But 
it's easy to say, hey, I'm a, we're all fans of the same team, so yeah, I can love you because you're a Panthers fan too, or you're a Washington Redskins, or God forbid, a Cowboys fan. Uh, <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's easy to love your fans, the people that like what you like and are invested in what you're invested in. But it's difficult for a Cowboys fan to love a Redskins fan, what I understand, right? That's Oh, okay, I'm sorry. It's not <laughs> but what the point is, it may be challenging for you to accept the loss of, you know, of your rival team. Uh, I went to NC State, so NC State, Carolina, Duke have a rivalry that is decades long, and so it would not be good for me to say I like Carolina. Uh, but I don't, that doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. Uh, they all need to be saved. Jesus. <laughs> they all need Jesus. <laughs> and maybe it's even political. Oh, you don't like this. You're more conservative. Or you're more liberal. And I don't like these. And, that, you know, it's all going to burn up in the end. I've said it before. <laughs> if it ain't Jesus, it's going to die. <laughs> uh, so uh, the Democrats won't save me. Neither will the Republicans save me. Only Jesus. Um so that's what I look to, to. But in this, he's saying, love your enemy. And this is not a superficial love. This is not a, oh, you know, I'll be nice to you. I'll be hospitable to you. But love. Love your enemies. Those who persecute you. Whatever administration that is, who you feel you are persecuted by, love them. Pray for them. Uh it says, so in Exodus 23, 4 through 5, talks about do good to your enemy. If you, cross, if you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to return it. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you falling down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure to help them out. This has really good, just real world implications. I really like this because, you know, this is just saying it is so easy if you don't like someone if you see them in distress, to leave them in their distress. It, it's so easy. It is so easy to say, oh, I don't like them. That's on them. <laughs> they made that bed. They got to lie in that. It is so easy to do that, y'all. Maybe I'm talk. It's easy for me to do that. I'll, say, I'll speak for myself. Um, but radical love says that if I see them or the animal, and let's be real, them in distress, and I see something their property in distress that I am to go help them out and return it or do what I can to make sure they are whole. That's, that's, that's radical. And that requires the Holy Spirit in our hearts. That requires a greater work than just being nice. It requires you submitting your life to Christ and being wholly submitted to him and really rooted in love to say, hey, what can I do in love, not just for my people or my friends or my circle, but my enemies? That's what's going to win them. That's, that's what's going to win. Uh, Proverbs 25, 21, 22 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. and The Lord will reward you. And we're not doing this just for the reward, but 
the burning coals on the head is that he will be ashamed, that he will feel guilty, that he will feel bad, that he mistreated you or did whatever against you, and that he in turn will change his ways. And that is what we want. We want him, that enemy that is persecuting you, to change their ways. We don't want to keep them as an enemy. Because to keep them as an enemy is to continue to <laughs> begrudge them and not help them and not look to them or not ask them. No, we don't want to do that. Pray for those who persecute you. Uh, so there's some applications. We looked at this radical love that Jesus is talking about. There's some applications that we want to glean from uh, this, this what we mentioned or discussed. So first is practice mercy rather than justice. Practice mercy rather than justice. James 2, 12 to 13 says, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's good. Practice mercy. How do I practice mercy? By going to help your enemy. <laughs> We're going to help your friends. Some of us don't even like our friends that much. <laughs> going to help your neighbor. Uh, going, going above and beyond what is expected. Go beyond what is required. <laughs> so practice mercy. Go beyond what is required. So it talks about even the pagans or even the tax collector. And the tax collector at that time was looked at as just an evil individual because they um, they were themselves Israelites and they felt like the Israelites felt like these tax, tax collectors had turned against them because now they were working for the occupying uh, force, um, sometimes the Romans, and they were collecting taxes. And normally, and we don't like the tax man even now, so uh, it's not far-fetched to say <laughs> why they were disliked. Um, um, but they would always kind of skim money off the top, so they would collect more than what was necessary, and they lived a lavish lifestyle. And even Jesus, you know, even it was mentioned to them, why, why is Jesus with these tax collectors and sinners? And he says to them, because uh, the sick needs a doctor, not the healthy, or something, something to that effect. And that is, so, that is so true that even in this season, uh, and I, you know, even this morning and, and coming to church, uh, the Lord just said, you know, who, who are your unsaved friends, brother? And I was like, oh, okay. We're going there this morning, all right. <laughs> uh, and I do have some unsafe friends. So. And it was important to say because uh, therein lies your opportunity. And these are not just acquaintances. These are not, these are friends, my unsafe people who I would invite to my house, who I would have dinner with, who I would hang out with, who I would talk to. Because in that, it, there is the opportunity to win them over to Christ. And that friendship, in that relationship, therein lies the opportunity to win them to Christ. If all my friends were, were saved like me, then I'm doing something wrong. I need to expand my circle of friends. And, and who would be considered the tax collector in this season? So this is God asking me these questions. This morning, I was like, I got to preach. Come on, leave me alone. <laughs> I got something to focus on here. <laughs> but who would be considered the tax collector in this season that you are not in front of to show the light of Christ. And I was like, oh, God, come on. It's serious. So I have, I'm, I, I have not. I'm not going to. Yes, whatever that is for you. 
whoever you think is the low of the low in this country, in your society, in this community, who are they? And then the Lord said to me, that's who you should befriend. It's like, ah, you're doing this this morning, aren't you? You're doing it. <laughs> you're putting it on me this morning. So I'm putting it on y'all. I'm sorry. Uh, you put it on me this morning. Because because um, it's studying and reading this, it's like, you know, Jesus was with the sinners and the tax collectors. So the tax collector was the evil in that society, the, the down, the, the guy that everyone loved to hate. Who's everyone loved to hate in 2021 going into 2022? And what is your opportunity to show Christ to that individual, to those people, whoever they may be? And not just, not evangelizing in the, I'm just sharing the gospel and then I'm running back to my corner. But yeah, it's easy to do. But he says, sit down and fellowship with them. Bring them in so they see your light. They see your life. And they are moved by that so much that they want the Christ in you. And so the concern, I think, for some of us, and I'm getting off track here, <laughs> is that because we don't know, we don't realize the light we have. So we question whether we should even present ourselves in that manner because it's like, I don't know. I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I know Jesus well enough to put myself out there like that. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, you know me well enough. And I got your back when it comes to you loving people who don't look like you who don't who's not in your circle who's not educated like you who's not in your your system who who doesn't fit your your frame of mind and work um these are the people i want you to reach out to this is a good word y'all it's good for me i'm sorry <laughs> he he was he was all over me this morning so anyway i digress <laughs> Go beyond what is required. Um, the third thing, so first thing, we're going to practice mercy. We're going to go beyond what is required for this radical love. Uh, we're going to trust God with the results. First uh, Peter two twenty three. when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself to God. Trust, give it to God. It's not for you to keep a tally and say, well, if I do this, I need to see some results. If I go hang out with these people, I need to see them. I want them saved by the end of the year. Trust God with the results. You just do the work. You just be hospitable. You just be friendly. You just love people. You have a genuine love for people. And trust God with the results. Uh, four, only God can give you the surpassing righteousness you need to enter heaven. Um, so, this is not something we can, this is not a works thing. We're not working to get ourselves into heaven. God has already done that. This is what he wants his children of God to do in the earth to win others to him. Only God, and then the fifth thing, so trust God. Uh, only God can give you the surpassing righteousness to enter into heaven. And then the fifth thing, only God can help you love. Your enemies, your neighbors, your friends. Love is the key. Romans 5, 5 says, and hope does not put to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has who has been given to us. We're going to need the Holy Spirit in this. 
Were we to give to all men who ask? So back to that. We should in many ways be thinking about this and saying, hey, I don't have all that they asked for. But our response should be a loving response. So not that, and I mentioned this before, not that you're going to give everything that anyone asked for, but I'm going to look at every situation in love and say, what is the loving response that God wants me to give in this situation? And it may be what they asked for. And this is going to be true in all of these examples, to be honest. So even looking at lawsuits and forced actions, going the extra mile, you know, sometimes people are greedy and they, they, they want more than what, you know, they want three miles and five miles. And at some point you may lovingly have to say, no, I can't, you know, you, 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 we're doing too much. And that may be what they need. And that may be what they need to hear in that moment to change their heart. Sometimes the personal insults may become too much or the attack may become overbearing. And you may need to say, hey, you know, enough is enough. Let's, let's change our behavior. Let's, do, let's look at some things differently. Let's do something else. And so in everything, in all of this, love is the root and love is going to be our response. And that response is not necessarily to fall over and bend over backwards. Right. That is not to say I'm be a doormat for anyone and lay down and they walk over me. No. But in love, <laughs> no, <laughs> that is not always the case. <laughs> but sometimes the love and response is to say, no, let's stop. Because God loves us and he he tells us no. He said, hey, no, we're not going to do that. Um, love is the motive. First Peter four and eight. We're going to close there. I've been long today. I'm sorry. Um, I had 10 pages, y'all. I knew when I print out 10 pages, I was like, oh, this ain't 30 minutes right here. It's probably like 45. I know. <laughs> Six pages for me is only 30 minutes. Uh, anything more, I have to kind of cut out. First uh, Peter 4, 8 says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Keep your charity at its full strength. Charity forgives however many the wrongs, however many the wrongs there are, love covers it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's how he demonstrated his love for us. So we done we were not even aware, <laughs> but yet he loved us. And so let's 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 commit in this season and beyond. To perform radical love. And it is going to require us to press into the Holy Spirit. It's not easy. It's not easy to love the people who love you. So I know it's not easy to love your enemy. (laughs) Ask any married couple, right? (laughs) I know they love me, but they don't act like they love me. (laughs) Don't tell my wife I said that. Um, (laughs) Um. but yes, let us go in this season and show radical love. Um, that is going above and beyond. And you may have an opportunity as you leave here and you see an opportunity to go above and beyond. And you may say, oh, I don't want to waste this or they're not going to be deserving of this. Let God deal with that. But you show the love. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.